0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Power to the Pod. It's Tuesday here on Locked On Dolphins, and I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Power to the pod today. We are two days from kickoff against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week three of the Dolphins 0-2 campaign. And uh, I know there's a lot of questions people have. There's a lot of the immediate fallout. Obviously, I recorded uh, Monday's edition of Locked on Dolphins probably about an hour and a half after the game ended. And uh, one of the first questions that I got that I wanted to address was, you know, why did you record that show in the immediate aftermath of the game. And I thought it was important for you guys to see that side of me, too. You know, throughout the course of the offseason, I obviously started this when Travis left to to work for the Dolphins. I started in February, the end of February. And the offseason is kind of my bread and butter. You spend the entire time in the offseason getting inside the heads of the teams to understand the moves they make, why they make them kind of get behind the surface level of, oh, here's a transaction that the Dolphins made. But now that we're into the season, and games are being played, I'm absolutely passionate about this football team. And I care a great deal for this football team. And I know each and every one of you that listens to this show does as well. So I thought it had some value for you guys to see, you're allowed to be angry after a game. Because I was angry on Sunday. We talked about all week last week, keep it close, humidity, fourth quarter. It's all there in front of you. Dolphins had a 2017 lead. And it got away. And that's okay. It's a long season. But again, that goes back to my greater point. There's You're allowed to be passionate and angry and upset, but then regroup Come back, and what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about a lot of the whys because that is my objective for this show and all of you is to experience the highs and lows of being a fan. And then when it's done, we will batten down the hatches, we'll get ourselves acclimated, we'll figure out what the hell happened, and we'll figure out where the hell this team's going to go from here. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. And uh, I, I wouldn't expect every loss. Uh, for the Dolphins to come with uh, the caliber of a show and the tone that you got on Sunday or Monday. Make no mistake, I'm not pulling the ripcord. I'm not out of here. I'm not not bailing on the rebuild. The Dolphins, in the long run, I like so much of what they are doing. And we're two weeks into the season. Statistically speaking, that doesn't bode well for postseason, but as some of you has brought up, there is an extra postseason spot now. So perhaps that data can be skewed. But forget about the postseason for now. We got Jacksonville on Thursday to worry about, and we got to put a bow on everything that happened on Sunday so that we can shift gears, move forward as a, as a fan base, and be ready for this game. So with that in mind, Power to the Pod is all about you guys. It's what you want to talk about, your topics, your reactions, uh, we do have a little bit of a slippery slope here with the iTunes reviews at this point in time because of bu- a bunch of the reviews that were left came before the game against Buffalo. If there are relevant questions to tackle, I'm going to tackle. them Saturday-ish. For out-of-state fans, how do you watch the Dolphins every week? Being from New York, I have a hard time trying to find a way to watch them. Yeah, so, I mean, funny story, obviously with... Uh, the the CBS stream and the power outage at Hard Rock that caused us to lose the television feed for about six minutes a game clock. Um, I have to tap into online streaming to be able to watch the Dolphins every week. Not easy though. Alex on Friday said, with Joe Burrow having a great game against the Browns does that put more pressure on the Dolphins coaching staff to put two in against the Jags? No I don't I really don't think. This coaching staff gives two farts about outside perception and public pressure, at least not yet. When year two of a rebuild, Brian Flores has a long-term contract. They're going to do this thing their way. I think it's much more about being honest about where this team is as we get through the next couple of games. If you drop to 0-3, uh, I think you got to look for a catalyst anywhere on your roster, including the quarterback position. And You have to start asking yourself, what are the odds that we're going to go 9-4 and four the rest of the way when we still have to play the Bills and Patriots again? we got to play the Chiefs. You get some really tough outs on your schedule. And if your objectives, if you say you want to go 9-7 and seven to make the postseason and you're at 0-3, well, maybe it's time we start thinking about, okay, what what personnel moves are going to give us a better opportunity to be a better team and win more at the end of the season, which is a thought process that could potentially lead to a domino effect that has two in the lineup. I think it's much more about their own in-house stuff. Zach on Wednesday with an interesting one. Uh, This was obviously uh, some of the trade rumors and wins whispering about Allen Robinson out of Chicago and Hodo Beckham out of Cleveland and Cleveland keeps saying they're not going to trade Odell, but like these rumors also don't go away, which lends me to believe that there's some semblance of truth to them. Man, I, I, I don't think the Dolphins can justify a move for Odell because Odell is the kind of, with his personality, with the energy that he brings, he is a super dynamic player in all ways, shapes, and forms. And I think the Dolphins are probably a little too young to bring in such a strong and and outspoken and vocal personality. And that's not even to say that he's like a bad teammate, but he is – that's a move the Dolphins of 2014 would make. And I think the Dolphins now are a little bit more calculated. I think they covet – Locker room chemistry and team before me and all that kind of stuff. Allen Robinson is a little bit of a better fit because he's more of like a humble receiver. Uh, he's not super outspoken. He's not kicking and, and getting down on a knee for the kicking nets on the sideline during games after he drops balls and stuff like that. So, But Allen is still a tough proposition from a value perspective. In Chicago, they've apparently... Smoothed it over, but Chicago also paid Tariq Cohen like $6 million a year in a new contract extension, and they're not getting a deal done with Allen Robinson. So, I think you'd look at the Emmanuel Sanders deal, uh, which I think was a 3 and a 4. As a player in an expiring contract, San Francisco did that last year. That would probably be a a reasonable going rate if things in Chicago get off the rails, but Chicago's 2-0 right now, so I'm not expecting a move. Uh, But if it were to come into reality, that would be about what I would be willing to offer. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules, new carpet, new tail lamps, motor oil, or anything else in between... For your classic or your daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can have everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at Rock Auto for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you go anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs, and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Uh, DW1. This came from September 15th. Great show, Kyle. Enjoy your analysis. Is it me or was Fitzpatrick forcing the ball to receivers and not going through progressions? Grant was open on a few plays. That's the last iTunes relevant question that I'm going to tackle today. And yes, to answer your question, uh, one of the things that I am doing this season is I'm charting every offensive play for the Dolphins. I'm diagramming it. I'm logging down in distance and what the safety shell was and what the deficit was and what the personnel on the field was and what the alignments were. route combination, like I'm, I'm doing the whole shebang. And I haven't had a chance to chart the Dolphins' Week 2 performance yet. Obviously much better. Fitzpatrick throwing for 300 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Isecki feasted. But when you charted Week 1 against the Patriots, yes. The Dolphins did not have a good performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And a lot of it was because it seemed as though he knew where he wanted to go with the ball. I counted like 6 or 7 misreads from a reads perspective, including the interception. Uh, A lot of in-breaking routes and a lot of shallow crossing routes. Now, you did see the Dolphins build on a little bit in Week 2, and I appreciated seeing it. Even some of the negative plays. Dolphins ran a mesh concept out of the back, back, releasing up the A-gap and running dual shallow crossers with another receiver. Dolphins didn't do anything remotely close to that. They went three by one or one by three. Typically, the back was set away from the strength. And the backside was a deep corner route and a flat route. And then you got some combination of routes on the front side to the three wide receiver side. We had like double in routes. And that was the interception that uh, Fitzpatrick threw at the, the end of the first half. Get on the inside read. You know, he, he did not read Adrian Phillips dropping. He knew where he thought it was supposed to be based on the Patriots in an amoeba NASCAR package and everybody walked up on the line of scrimmage. To know what's going on versus actually reading and confirming in post snap is important. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick showed some improvement. On that front in week two. But dude's like, what, 16 year vet? Like, that's kind of just, that's kind of always been the book on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's where we get stuck. The other concerning thing is I did not think Ryan Fitzpatrick ran RPO concepts well. I'm looking forward to getting into week two to see what the frequency is of it, how effective the Dolphins were in it. But I can tell you, if we're going to play all season and it's too high safety, so it's an automatic give the ball, we might want to reconsider. Switching gears to Twitter. You guys brought Twitter questions hot and heavy. Um, put it out yesterday around noon, soliciting takes and questions, and we got a bunch of them. So we're going to do everything we can to get as many of them in as possible. <laughs> First one comes from Octavio. Is Jerome Baker going to be a liability for us all season or is there a fix? He looks lost in coverage and he can't shed blocks in the running game. In my not very professional or even tape watching opinion, what is your take? Um, Jerome has terrific range and he's one of those linebackers that with the greater frequency that you can put him out in space and let him simply float the football, you're going to have success. If you're going to ask Jerome to play turn and run coverage on guys, he's athletically capable of doing it, but it's not a strong suit of his game. And as you said, working in traffic and addressing blockers is not a strong suit of his game either. But that's kind of the catch here. The Dolphins' defensive play style and and gravitating towards so many heavy-hitting, heavy hands, dense defensive linemen, they're supposed to occupy offensive linemen. They're supposed to occupy, allow the linebackers to flow sideline to sideline and get to the football clean. That's the objective of this defense. Bill's obviously rushing for 111 yards in Week 2. Much better performance than Week 1, but not at the expense of 417 passing yards. I really don't know what to do with uh, the numbers thus far because with Byron Jones out, obviously Noah Igbenogany stepping into shadowing Stephon Diggs, and that obviously did not work out well for the Dolphins. And I know a lot of people, I'm not going to single anybody out because there's a bunch of people that ask this question, asking why didn't Xavier Howard try to attempt to shadow Stephon Diggs in coverage? I thought Josh Boyer, when he was asked on uh, Monday, had a a nice response on that front, talking about, depending on the the routes that guys run and the athletic skill sets of the players and coverage, Like a lot of that gets selected based on a number of layers, and and I generally agree with what Josh Boyer said. I don't think Xavier Howard, who's a little bit more linear, he's not as quick twitch in short spaces, don't believe me, go watch what Amari Cooper did to Xavier to Howard last year in week three. These route technicians will burn you up. And Xavier Howard, I don't necessarily know if he has the hip fluidity and mobility to play on an island and shadow. Now, at some point throughout the course of the game, yes, the Dolphins should have said, hey, you know what, Igbo's getting torched out there. Maybe we flip him around. Probably wouldn't have hurt to try that, and Josh Boyer himself said that. He said, "You know, that's on me to continue to try to put the players in the best positions to be successful." And we got to have more more ways to attack opposing teams when they continue to come back to the same matchup or the same route concept, and be able to defend it in different ways. That's all me. And I appreciate that the the Dolphins coaching staff, from Brian Flores on down, everybody's taking ownership the performances. It's a nice breath of fresh air from what used to be here and that the coaches are not afraid to say, I need to be better. Not, well, you know, our guys didn't execute and we had a bad bounce of the ball and we ran out of bullets or whatever Adam Gase said at the end of the season in 2018. And I think that communication to the players is important to keep the players invested. I know a lot of people are concerned, you know, is Brian Flores going to lose the locker room? No, I don't think so. This season is young, guys. And and I know I said and and beat the drum last week that from a postseason perspective, week two was a big game. And it was. It was a big loss. But the Dolphins, again, Rome wasn't built in a day, which I've said before. The Dolphins will not be either. And if this is our starting point, you know, this is the silver lining we're going to choose to take and I'm not going to make excuses. You know, I don't I don't want to sit here and oh well, we lost Byron. I, I don't really care. Dolphins don't care. They're not going to use excuses. So why should I? But if I'm going to look for the perspective that's going to keep this thing positive and make sure everybody, you know, getting over their frustrations from a week two loss. The fact that you're frustrated that you lost to a team that's favored to win the AFC East by three points in week two of year two of a rebuild is plenty of sign of progress versus where we were last year. Anybody remember what the point differential was for the Dolphins at the end of two games last year? It wasn't like 86 points? Dolphins have lost two games against two teams. that It's, it's become very apparent the New England Patriots are going to be good again, which is so annoying. But nevertheless... Patriots had a tough loss to Seattle in week 2, but we're within a yard and a half of coming back and starting here 2 and 0 with a win in Seattle. Buffalo starting the year 2 and 0. Obviously, they've beaten Miami and the New York Jets, but they look to be a very dynamic football team offensively. You know, the, the the Bills will probably be more than happy to live with the highs and lows of Josh Allen as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, which he didn't against the Dolphins. 13 point net point differential against the Dolphins and plenty of silver linings for us to look at. So that's the progress that uh, I I think we need to choose to take here. Matthew wants to know whether the defensive struggles are because of the wrong game plan, the wrong play calls or players not executing. I think the coaches will probably tell you it's a little bit everything. Um, Oh, it is interesting. The Dolphins did pursue more veteran players, experienced players in this system to kind of help fast track this. Uh, all these new pieces and make sure everything clicks. Uh, I think this is a nice reminder for everyone that uh, y- you need to have chemistry and communication. And Brian Flores seemed to relay that communication was one of the biggest issues for the Dolphins. So that tells me. From a confidence level of assignments, the coaches need to be more clear, and the players need to pick it up, and they need to pick it up faster. Now, obviously, this is a short week; you're not going to get a, a reprieve this week. You got to correct the mistakes quickly, move on. Um. So that that's kind of the slippery slope for the Dolphins, and you know we'll see, we'll see what this looks like in a couple weeks. But as of right now, Matt, I would say that the defensive struggles. Are the Byron Jones injury hurt, but defensive coaching flexibility has been a problem. You know more so in week two than what it was in week one because how many times are they going to go to that deep over route and we're not going to adjust? And when we did adjust, Josh Allen still manages to squeak a ball over top of two guys' hands in for a, for a completion. Tip your cap on that throw, man. I really don't know what else the Dolphins could have done on that specific rep. Um. But obviously the Dolphins have to make plays too. Kyle Van Noy, Bills backed up on inside the red zone. Van Noy has an opportunity to make a play, intercept a a ball. He could have moonwalked into the end zone. Uh, Dolphins need to make more plays. If they're going to be a bend but don't break defense, then at some point you need to stop bending (laughs) in the same capacity, and you got to you got to put your foot down and i think that's something the dolphins have to learn how to do defensively. Steve should be we we be worried about Chan offense when from watching the dolphins game to the chiefs and it seems like they know how to use their speed. Well, yes, but let's also be fair here. I think I think there are valid concerns for Chan offense. But Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes in year three together, Eric Bieniemy is back as the play caller. Tyree Kill, Miko Hardman. These are all players that are returning. Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, the core foundation pieces on the offensive line, offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz. He's one of the best right tackles in football. Like they have so much that's back. And yes, the Dolphins have Fitz back, Parker back, Preston Williams is back. But like this was the concern with like putting all your eggs in a Preston Williams basket based off an eight-game sample size as a rookie UDFA. He's been targeted 12 times and has three catches. Caught one pass for 26 yards. Now it was a brilliant catch. But he also had to drop there down there on fourth down. So like there's more ups and downs, and I don't think it would be responsible for us to say, yes, you should be concerned about Chan offense because you're comparing it to the Chiefs' skill players. The Chiefs' skill players as a whole is exponentially, and I mean literally exponentially, better than the Miami Dolphins. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and believe me when I say, these are the most delicious protein bars these lips have ever touched. And that was before they completely overhauled their formula for creating protein bars. Up to 20 grams of protein per bar, one-seventh of grams of carbs and sugar over your typical protein bars, doesn't matter whether you're looking for something to fit the keto diet, a post-workout snack, something delicious throughout the course of the day, between their 12 original flavors and six brand new flavors that have returned with their new formula, Built Bar has something for everyone. So, visit builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you can find out what all the fuss is about and save yourself $10 off your next order. That's builtbar.com, promo code locked on, to save yourself $10 off your next order. Maybe the long term forecast of Mike Gasecki versus Travis Kelsey goes in Gasecki's favor if you consider uh, Kelsey's an older player. Gasecki's really coming into his own. Devontae Parker is a very different kind of receiver. He's not a speed receiver. He's a bully, and he's a high-point guy. So, yeah, if you're looking at hands of city and the layers that they have, and you know, that, that goes into years and years of building upon game plans. The Dolphins right now have two weeks of building upon game plans. So I think you should have reason to be concerned more specifically with the run blocking. Jesse Davis is not good. Solomon Conley's raw. Austin Jackson's Raw, they have their good reps, but especially in run blocking, they have their bad reps as well. Ted Karras has been super hit or miss. I think that, from a personnel perspective, your offensive line and a run blocking and the run schemes for Miami are more so where you should be concerned about Shane Gailey's offense than trying to compare it to Kansas City. Bruce, did seeing the Patriots' offense in Seattle change at all how you feel about our defense? Yeah, so New England put 30 on Seattle in a loss. And as I said, said, was two yards away from putting 37 on Seattle and winning the football game. But but this, this is what's interesting is the Patriots completely flipped their script in week two. They didn't try to run the ball. Obviously, Cam had his carries, but I think they had 19 yards rushing the ball outside of – they had 19 yards of offense outside of Cam Newton rushing and passing. They passed the ball all up and down the field. So I think it's a compliment to the Dolphins' secondary that the Patriots looked from a personnel perspective and said, "Mm, yeah, no, we're not going to test that. We're going to try and run the ball. We're going to break out a bunch of new layers, a bunch of things they haven't seen, and when they adjust to one, we'll go to we'll go to step B. And when they adjust to step B, we'll go to step C. So, yeah, I, I'm not super concerned about the run defense because the Patriots caught the Dolphins with wool over their eyes, and Josh McDaniels had an offseason to build all this stuff with all these wrinkles. It's not just as simple. As we talked about last week, it's not just as simple to say, oh, well, Keel and Cam Newton. Jim, Kyle, thanks so much for your anger and disappointment in the last podcast. You said a lot on the air, what a lot of Finns fans feel. Love your show. Thank you, Jim. Not anger, necessarily. Um, Frustration, I think, is more so how I would look choose to look at it. But uh, like I said, I, I do think it's important for you guys to see uh, the passion that I carry for this team so you understand, like, we're all in this together. And we're going to ride with this team. We're inevitably going to die with this team. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's one of the things that I try to do is try to look at the positives a lot, but I think it's important for you guys to see that I have those same emotions and feelings as you do, but then, okay, how do we readjust? How do we react okay. Next question comes from coach McCuller. Okay, doll, Kyle, redraft for Miami. Don't put me in a redraft, man. Round one. Pick 30, Noah or Xavier McKinney slash Antoine Winfield. Not all trashing Noah, but safety is a bad group. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to putting Bobby McCain's play through uh, the fine tooth comb and, and really looking at how he played because on a surface level, it appeared as though Bobby really, you know, especially that last touchdown, it looked like he was late getting back. Um, he's been. I know he's a source of energy for the team. I know he's a well-respected leader. I know he's one of the more experienced and longer-tenured guys. But at the same time, I'm going to hit you with it again. Rome wasn't built in a day. And coverage, cover corner options are much more valuable in a roster construction perspective than a hybrid safety. And if you don't believe me, just look at what they pay corners versus what they pay safeties at the NFL level. Um, and remember this about Noah, too. Noah has two years. This is, this is Noah's third year of playing defense. He came to Auburn as a wide receiver with a track background. And that's how incredibly athletically gifted he is that through two years, obviously the, the shadowing Stefan Diggs, who's one of the most dynamic route runners in all football aside – I think Noah's going to be completely fine. The ceiling there is tremendous. If you were telling me I was drafting just for a one-year check the box and address the need, yeah, sure, I'd probably go with Antoine Winfield Jr., who I love coming out, who had a great game in Week 2 against Carolina. But you also have Brandon Jones. And I think Brandon Jones has been probably the most present safety that we have to this point because he had a big game in Week 1. Uh, BW, preseason, pre-start of the season word coming out of Dolphins was that the coaches are happy with the scheme and the squad, but warned it will take four to five weeks for things to get down pat and for the team to start to click. With that mind, are we all overreacting? I think it's a dynamic that definitely needs to be acknowledged. And as you look and search to explore why things are happening the way that they are for the Miami Dolphins, I think it makes a lot of sense to acknowledge that that dynamic exists especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think the reason why it surprises me, uh, B-Dub, that it's happening on the defensive side of the football is that's why the Dolphins went after established players. They didn't go after a ton of rookies. This is why you go after Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noyen Elan and Roberts, and Byron Jones. Guys that have been around the block, a lot of guys that understand these concepts so that you can avoid that kind of rookie slash install lag, but it's very much there. Uh, So acknowledging it, let's see if it continues to get better and move in the right direction. If it does, then we should be really enthusiastic. Best case scenario, the Dolphins win their next two football games, and then they have to go to San Francisco and to Denver, two teams that are crippled with injuries right now. San Francisco lost Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman's on IR for a calf injury. He's targeting the Dolphins game as a potential return date. Jimmy Garoppolo with a high ankle sprain. He'll probably be fine for the time they play Miami. Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, their top two running backs. Both currently hurt. George Kittle's currently hurt week to week. They lost Solomon Thomas with an ACL injury as well. Weston Richburg, one of their better interior offensive linemen. Uh, has a knee injury. He's not targeted to return until midseason, so he'll probably most likely miss the Dolphins game. Like San Francisco's been slammed, guys. Absolutely slammed with injuries. And then you've got Denver, who lost their best player on both sides of the football for the year already. They lost Von Miller, and they just found out they lost Cortland Sutton. He tore his knee up in week three. Oh, Andrew Locks out four to six weeks. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I have early. And obviously, Miami not having Byron Jones is a huge issue for them in their own right. But you looked at San Francisco defending NFC champions and Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium, you said, man, those are some tough draws. But attrition has tagged those teams fairly early. In the season, we'll see if the Dolphins are healthy by the time those games roll around. But at this point in time, those teams appear to be hurting, and the dynamics of both of those games will be drastically different. Wade Tripp, your prediction for the first head coach to be fired this year? Jeez. Either Gase or Patricia? Probably. I mean, Minnesota's awful right now. But they also just put Zimmer on a contract extension, so he's he's not going anywhere. He'll be fine. I'll say Gase. Uh, I would guess Adam Gase. A couple of rapid fire ones here to wrap it up. Kyle Smith. This team is remade in Flores's image with a bunch of ex-Patriots, and it's failing. When do we start to question that he's just another Patriots assistant who can't replicate their success? Um, I think it's failing is very harsh. Uh, perspective and point of view, based off two games. You should be frustrated through two games. But to say that the entire build is failing off of two games, I'm not ready to buy in on that yet. And I think a key difference in Brian Flores versus Matt Patricia and Bill O'Brien and these Patriots disciples, Brian is very good in player relations, and he's very good in organizational Uh, management, you know, the CEO dynamics of being a head coach of a football team, Brian is very good at. You don't get the buy-in that you get from last year's team without having a lot of organization, uh, committed to a process. And listen, the Dolphins, what, 50% of their roster is brand new again this year? So, no, I'm not ready to say that this is a failed experiment. And the Dolphins are going to hit on every investment. That's another reminder that we should have. Like, We could look and say, oh, well, the Dolphins signed Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba. They drafted Jason Strowbridge, They're set on the edge. What I've seen from two games, Emmanuel Agba doesn't look very good. That doesn't mean the Dolphins, it's a failure. It means the Dolphins need to continue to invest. Is anybody going to sit here and say that this year's defensive end room isn't better than last year's? As long as you continue to build and and get improvement and you have the flexibility, that's been the Dolphins issue in the past. They haven't had the flexibility to pivot when their investments don't go right because they're always so far up against the cap and they don't have assets. That's why the way this Dolphins management is doing it is so important and different from a cap management perspective, draft assets, the age of the roster, they're evaluating players, and they'll pivot off of it. They have the flexibility to make changes. They have the flexibility to draft Greg Rousseau potentially in the first round. A month ago, I said would have said, yeah, well, you know, Greg Rousseau, I don't know how much I'd take him seriously as a Dolphins candidate. But I'm sitting here watching Emmanuel Agba play, and I'm sitting here watching the Dolphins struggle to get off blocks and, and manufacture pass rush. And we got to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, well, if this trend holds for the season, yeah, the Dolphins need to invest again heavily and early on another defensive end. So, Kyle, to answer your question, I, I think you're premature to say that this rebuild is failing. We have one. The team is forcing the 4 front, 3 front, but Agba and especially Lawson can't make any pressure. Van Noy seems slow and ineffective on blitzes. DB blitzes are more successful, so can you see them going more diamond-nickel blitz packages with only three linemen on the field? I think they should. I think the issue is now how you stop the run. How do you end up stopping the run if you got to bring nickel and dime defenses on the field to get the explosiveness that you need to win in pressure situations? They're going to say, okay, we're going to big boy you. That's kind of the conflict the Dolphins have, and that's not to say they won't figure it out. They will figure it out. But they need to find the right balance. And I don't think they're very balanced yet with their game planning and knowing this roster and knowing what these players are capable of. The Dolphins' only evaluation of their team to this point in time are the two games they've played in training camp against their own roster with their own flaws. And based off what we've seen from the offensive side of the football, especially in the offensive line and in the run defense, Dolphins might have got a little false sense of security looking at their defensive line playing against these offensive linemen. All of a sudden you start coming against some of these other teams with these other dynamics, and they hit you in between the eyes, and that's what the value of preseason would have been. Well, we don't have that, so now it's like, oh, okay, we thought we had A, B, and C, but it turns out we have roster flaws one, two, and three of our own that caused us to misevaluate A, B, and C, and we actually have X, Y, and Z. Stick with it. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, kind of getting reacclimated after Sunday's loss to Buffalo. We took it in stride, voiced our frustrations. Now, let's get our heads back on straight, and let's do what the Dolphins have to do as they continue to build this team. We're gonna pivot and redirect as we get more information. That's the only thing we're capable of doing that's going to be responsible. That doesn't mean we can't get angry or frustrated or mad. But now we have to reacclimate and reset our own expectations for the team. And we have to take it just like Brian Flores preaches to his players, one day at a time. Hope you'll come back see me again tomorrow. This is Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks, as always, for keeping it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.